Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. So if you would allow me, I want to dive into the last last and final part of our series entitled uh, The Son and the Scriptures. The Son and the Scriptures. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have the house lights come up just a hair, just for some of you who don't have Bibles that light up. Mine does. Um, it's here. But then I also have one that does not light up. So um, let me let me let me go into it like this. There was a French impressionist, uh, his painter. His name was Auguste Renoir. Auguste Renoir. And he was confined to his home during the last decade of his life. He had a friend named Henry Matisse, who was also an artist and actually a really good friend. Matisse visited Renoir daily, uh, almost daily, because his friend Renoir, who painted as well, suffered from a severe arthritis. But yet through that severe arthritis that Renoir had in his life, he continued to paint. Let me get your attention for a moment. He continued to paint and he would hold the paintbrush in a way to try to make it happen, but he continued to paint. Many of his students that he taught even still would hear him at times when he's painting grimace and even at times shout and scream from pain from the arthritis. But yet he continued to paint. One day, Matisse was with him and, and visiting him and he stopped for a moment after a, you know, a grimace or something from Renoir. He said, um, Auguste, he said, why do you continue to paint when you are in such agony. And Renoir responded like this, the pain passes, but the beauty remains. The pain passes, but the beauty remains. You see, we have to realize that in this life, there will be pain. Yes? In this life, there will be be pain. But we also have to realize that there must be confidence that as believers, that pain that we have does bring a promise. I got less amens. Maybe you didn't get it. What I'm saying is that there will be pain, but as believers, we suffer a different kind of pain with a different kind of result. We have to realize that the pain that we uh, we actually endure would have will have lasting impacts on others because the impression that God has put on our hearts is the same idea that Renoir dealt with that when the pain passes, the beauty remains. Something God wants to teach you through that pain will bring a lasting impact to you and maybe even someone else. So this morning, I have a message that's conveniently titled, The Power of Confident Pain. The Power of Confident Pain. 
I like what C.S. Lewis once said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There's a type of psalm that's a lament psalm. And my wife referred to the weeping prophet Jeremiah just a few moments ago. How many know that all prophets in some degree wept? <laughs> Jeremiah just got that title. But, but if you were a prophet and you looked around and you knew what God was saying and that you looked around in the world and you realized this world is not what God wanted necessarily right now. But because of free will and he loves us, we're allowed to be able to do what we need to do or what we feel we need to do. But how many know that this was not exactly how he wanted it to be? But you're free. And that's what we hold on to, right? We hold on to the idea, but I, but I get to do what I want with my body. I get to do what I want with my life. I get to do what I want with my money. I get to do what I want with my time. We're so focused on the free part that we don't realize that that's not truly free. That's just available to us right now. So those that will call themselves free in this world, they're not necessarily free. Some of them are just available to the world. Did you get that? They're just available to this world, and they will go through suffering and pain just like you will go through suffering and pain, and we will all deal with pain. But how do we come out on the other side? I know that I've been through certain pains in my life. I know I've been through certain things in my life, and what I realize is that I have to have confident pain as a believer. A confident pain. You say, what is, what is that confident pain? That confident pain is trust that I serve a God who sees my pain and will work through it. God is not ashamed or running away from your pain, nor is he necessarily causing it either. Can I give you that right now? Can I just, let's dispel that idea before it even creeps its way into your mind that somehow God is the one causing you pain. No, sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's life, and yes, sometimes it's a trial he gives us, yes. But not all pain is God's pain. Some pain is man's pain, right? Human pain. Sometimes it's mistake pain. But, but don't get it twisted. When you trust and you go through that pain confidently and knowing that God is who he says he is, there's a promise on the other side. Hello? So I want to read to you one verse this morning, right now, and it's found in Matthew 27. Turn there if you would. Matthew 27, verse 46. And if you find that verse and you read it, you realize very quickly that this is a scene where Jesus is on the cross. And in this scene, Jesus himself is going through pain. And at first glance, it doesn't look confident. 
But if you would allow me to kind of break down this verse, one verse, because we've been talking about the Son and the Scriptures in this in this series, right? How Jesus used the Word of God and how it applies to us as well and how he might show us how to use it. Is there anybody that has ever prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've said that at times. Maybe a little differently. But I felt that pain. My God, my God, have you forgotten about me? My God, my God, what about me? Jesus himself in Matthew 27, verse 46, while hanging on the cross, said this. Eli, Eli, lemma samachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you, if you can identify with Jesus with anything in this verse, would you raise your hand real quick? Has anyone ever felt that way? Have you ever said felt like God had forsaken you? I felt that. Most all scholars would agree, though, if you would for a moment, I need you to understand that most scholars would agree that Jesus was not doubting the Father by praying this prayer, by making this statement. He was not doubting the Father or doubting the fact that the Father is with him. What he was certainly doing was, first of all, he was quoting Psalm 22, verse 1 where he found himself identifying with those uh, for that, with that psalmist that wrote that psalm. And, and he was, in his own way, feeling the same kind of way. Let me ask you this question as a sidebar. Everyone look at me for a moment. Everyone, I need everyone's attention right here. How many of you have ever heard a song? A song. Radio, iTunes. Whatever you're listening to the song, you're sitting in your car, and the this song, a song comes on, and it is exactly how you're feeling at that exact moment. How many have ever been there? Maybe it was I was uh, I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa, whoa! I'm walking on sunshine, and don't it feel good? I won't sing it. I won't do that to you because torture is not my thing. How dare you say thank you? It could have been, it, there's a new, a, a, there's a plethora of songs I can list out for you right now, but how many have ever been there where you heard a song and you're like, that's how I feel. That's how I feel right now. Right. When that song Waymaker came out, how many of you know, y'all were like, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, right? Because you identify with it. He has to make a way. Whatever the song may be, you identified with that song. Were you the one that wrote it? Were you the one on the radio that recorded it? on the studio, and now they're playing your song on the radio? No. But you identified with it, yes? Jesus was on the cross, and at that very moment, Psalm 22 came out of his spirit, and he said, like Psalm 22, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, there's two notes I want to make. Number one, I need us to understand something that as we look at the original language in this text, uh, number one, one of the, uh, the commentaries continue to go into this, but they say when Jesus actually spoke this, he spoke it in his original language. He identified it differently. Jesus spoke it in his original language, his original tongue. It appears that Jesus, rather than calling the words in Hebrew, quoted them in his own Aramaic equivalent, using the language he normally spoke instead of the original text. Why? Because it was from him. He felt that feeling. He knew it. No, he was not walking on sunshine at that moment, but he identified with that moment, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he didn't say it in the Hebrew form. He did it in the Aramaic form in his own original tongue. Interesting, yes? But then it gets even more interesting because there's a disruption in the kingdom. Everybody say disruption. You have to understand what I mean by disruption because if you look throughout the New Testament, whenever Jesus refers to the Father, he refers to him as Father. He refers to him as the Father. And here he says, my God, my God. There's a disruption. And I'll explain why in just a few moments. Because the relationship Jesus had on this earth brought him to a place where he was always about the Father's business. The Father's house. My Father's house shall be a house of prayer. Are you with me? So he was always referring to the Father as the Father. In the same way that we would say about John the Baptist, we would use the words of John the Baptist, I must decrease that he may increase, right? Did you originally write, pen those words or write those words? No, you, would, you were quoting John the Baptist because that's how you feel and you realize that's what pleases the Father and you realize that's what's coming out of you. In the same manner, Jesus was on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his own tongue, referring to the Father as God. Disruption. Disruption. Now, all of a sudden, the Son of God is saying, my God, my God. Pain is a teacher that we never want to meet, but keep bumping into. I got two amens and one hmm. That's good for the morning. Pain is a teacher we never want to meet, but we keep bumping into. And I, I, I love, again, what C.S. Lewis, uh, I found another, there's a book he wrote called The Problem of Pain. And he said, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and harder to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. Physical 
physical pain. It hurts. But when it's deeper than that, it's really hard to admit. And I need us to understand something. When we look at the Son of God, we have to understand that he bore pain. Watch this. As a substitute for you. There are certain things you will never, again, look at me, you will never have to experience because he did it already. He endured so you wouldn't have to. Now, there are some pains we will go through, but there are things that you will never have to go through but because Jesus died on that cross for you and for me. How many are grateful for that today? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So allow me, if you would, for the next two hours, what I want to really bring to the surface Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's not two hours. Don't worry about that. But, but, but if you would allow me just for a moment, there's a couple things that had to happen. A couple things that had to happen in order for we, us to have the confidence to walk through pain. Because we, if we're going to walk through it, how many, how many realize that if you're going to walk through pain, you might as well do it confidently. Hello? If you're going to be a mess, might as well be a hot mess. Come on, somebody. Some of you really like that quote. So you didn't write any other quote, but you wrote that one down. And that's your status for the day. I get it. That's all right. If you're going to go through it, why not go through it in such a way where you're confident? You know, I'm going to go through pain, but I might as well go through this pain trusting that God is my God still. And I trust that no matter what happens in my life, he will walk through it with me. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said, when you walk through the valley in the shadow of death, come on, somebody. He said, I will fear no evil because my rod and my staff, they comfort me. And you realize that, that, that your Savior is walking with you. He's with you. So I need us to understand, number one, there has to be a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice. In order for us to gain confidence, we had to realize there had to be a sacrifice. What did Jesus do for us to give us the confidence to get through this pain? In order to walk in confident pain, we had to realize there has to be an ultimate sacrifice. Not a once in a while sacrifice like the Old Testament when they, they did what they did. And so allow me if you would for a moment because when I say there had to be a sacrifice, God required animal sacrifices to provide temporary covering. You remember that? Yeah? He offered that as a temporary covering for sin and it foreshadowed the perfect and complete sacrifice of Jesus. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 35, for those of you taking wonderful notes. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 10, for those of you taking copious notes. There was always a lamb involved. There was always a sacrifice because it was a spotless animal that God required for us to be saved from our sin. Now, Animal sacrifice is an important theme found throughout Scripture, but it is not found in this house today. So please don't leave your animals with us. We don't practice that here anymore. No, at all, at all, at all. <laughs> 
Hebrews chapter 9. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, animals were killed by God to provide clothing for them. Genesis 3, after the flood receded, Noah sacrificed the animals to God. Genesis chapter 8. But God commanded the nation of Israel, watch this, to perform numerous sacrifices according to certain procedures. Here's here's a three-step procedure. You ready? Number one, the animal had to be spotless. Everybody say spotless. Second, the person offering the sacrifice had to identify with the animal. You had to understand the the identity of that animal, what it had to do, what it was doing. And the third thing, the person with the offering and bringing the animal to God had to inflict the death upon the animal as a sacrifice, as a substitute for their own sin. You with me? So they had to bring a spotless one, identify with that spotless lamb, and then inflict the death as that was the custom in the Old Testament. When done in faith, this sacrifice would provide a temporary covering for sin. That was the process. Again, that was the process. Enter Jesus. That is no longer the process. So we know, number one, there had to be a sacrifice. In order for us to walk in confidence, there had to be a sacrifice. That person's name is? That person's name is? He is our sacrifice. Number two, there had to be a separation. We look at Matthew as we read that verse just a few moments ago in Matthew 27. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaking implies what? A separation. Number two, there had to be a separation. There had to be a separation. Now listen, whenever there was a lamb to be sacrificed, that lamb was separated from the other animals. It was different. It was set apart. When Jesus became that lamb, he too had to receive that separation. And when he gave himself up for us, he prayed in a very different way. Why have you forsaken me? It wasn't because God had left them forever, but but God could not see upon him the way he saw him before. He became that lamb for you and for me. I'm talking about confident pain. If you're going to go through it, know that there's a Savior that died and went through stuff so that you can get through whatever it is you're going through right now. That's where your confidence comes from. It comes from Jesus. It comes from his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It came from his sacrifice and his separation. That's where we are today. And so God the Father could not look upon him because he, as the Messiah would be foretold in Isaiah, would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are that is Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied that long time ago. And so God the Father looked upon this and in some tangible way in some way turned his face from the Son and doing so demonstrated the wretchedness the wretchedness of sin stop calling your sin a mistake 
call it a sin and ask God forgiveness and move forward. Stop downplaying sin. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Are you with me? I preach shorter when you agree with me. Come on, somebody. You realize that 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 when we call when we downplay sin, what we're doing is we're also downplaying the death of Jesus. If sin really wasn't a big deal, guess what wasn't a big deal as well? Okay, I'm gonna preach it over here for a second. If 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 sin was not a big deal, then the death of Jesus was not a big deal. If you're saying, oh, whoa, whoa, slow up, Pastor Tony, the death of Jesus was a big deal. Consequently, then your sin is a big deal. You can't go to God confidently if you have death, hell, and the grave all upon you. Sin is a nasty weight. It's a nasty weight that will cling itself to you. And Paul calls it the body of death. One of the, one of the tortures that, I don't know if you realize this, one of the tortures that they had early in the New Testament days was if you committed murder, one of the ways they would actually torture you is that they would attach the body of the person you murdered to you. For a period of time discerned by the judge at that time. And they would actually attach a dead body. Look at me. A dead body to you. To cause you to realize you did this. So when Paul says the body of death. Are you hearing what he's saying there? Sin is a body of death. Imagine that body decomposing slowly strapped to your back. Are you getting the weight of sin now? The need for the Savior. The way that we can confidently say, I need to go through this pain confidently. I don't want to. I don't feel like it, but I don't like pain. Pain hurts. But guess what? If I'm going to go through it, I'm going to go through it through through the grace and the glory of God. I'm going to give him glory through it. And at the end of this, I'm going to come out on top. Number three, watch this. There had to be a savior. Everybody say savior. There had to be a savior. One of the most beautiful things to realize as a believer was that Jesus wasn't given this assignment and made the best of it. He volunteered. He said, I will go. I will be the sacrifice for the masses. I will be the sacrifice for the children of God. We needed a spotless savior that would be a substitute for us and Jesus is that substitute. That's why we need a savior and that's why the scriptures identifies him as Jesus and that's why when Jesus speaks the word and and people get saved. How many realize that when Jesus spoke Every word he spoke had authority and power. We have to realize in our lives that Jesus didn't use the word because he, was the, he had nothing else to do with his time. He used the word because he realized that you alone have the words of life. Where can I go? I need to hide his word in my heart. I need to hide his word in my heart. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. How many remember that, right? We read that during Christmas time. It's a beautiful thing. We have little children up here with beautiful dresses and wonderful suits. And they go, today in the town, a Savior has been born. And everybody goes, yay, it's so sweet. And that's all great. Christmas time. But how many realize that that day was not just all sweet and pretty and Christmassy? There was no Christmas. He was Christmas. And in that very first Christmas, if you want to call it, a Savior had been born. Everything changed. Your future changed. Your blessings change. Now watch this. Titus chapter 2. While we wait for the blessed hope. Now Jesus is gone and he's uh, promised to return. Now we wait for that blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. Guess what he's coming back for? A confident person who has dealt with pain through the power of his Holy Spirit, who gave himself Jesus, right? To redeem us from all wickedness, Jesus did that. To purify for himself a people, Jesus wants to do that. A people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We, we need to be ready. He's coming back again. And when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was, he, was, he was speaking out of reality because we all had to be able to identify with the scriptures. And at that point, he was identifying with the scriptures. And now he's saying to each one of us, take the scriptures, apply it because I'm coming back again. I'm coming back again. Who's ready to make room for him? Who's ready to make room for him? See, multiple times in the series, multiple times in the series, we have demonstrated how Jesus took the scriptures, how he took the scriptures and he, and he tried to find a way to, to show us how we could have life more abundantly. And we look at it and we say to ourselves, now in the moment of suffering, Jesus, I don't know that you're always there for me. Because we're answering to the flesh instead of the spirit. It's very easy for us to respond in the flesh, but don't. Jesus uses the framework of scripture to express his humanity. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at me. Nowhere in scripture do you see so much humanity coming out of Jesus than in the end of his life? When he was in that garden, great drops of blood. He asked the disciples one thing. Join me in the prayer meeting. And he went to the prayer meeting and they fell asleep. Then he went back to the mountain and he's talking to the father and he comes back and they're still sleeping again. He was so stressed, he had nobody with him. Great drops of blood fell from his face. Doctors have already uh, attested to this and has been shown that under severe, severe stress, you can actually sweat drops of blood. 
It's literally, biologically, medically possible. I need you to understand that. Some people are like, oh, this is just the scriptures being very dramatic. No, biologically, medically, it's possible for this to happen. And in the, way, in the moments where he needed them the most, they were sleeping. Let me ask you a question. In the moment he needs you the most, in these last days, what will you be caught doing? I pray you'll be caught making room for him. Come on, somebody. That you'll be caught making room for him. Lord, I'll need to make more room for you. Every day I must decrease that you may increase. Believers, we have to express this realist, understand that it's okay to, to feel feelings and feel pain, but it's not okay to stay that way. You have to be able to say, God, I trust you and I'm confident that you will work through all these things for me. As the worship team comes, I want to close with this for a few moments. I need your undivided attention for a moment. The confidence that we're called to walk in today is not based on my own merit. How many know what I'm talking about? The confidence that we possess today is not confidence because we're good. The merit that we carry has no bearing on how good God is. Yes? Did you get that? What you have to realize is that every time you pray and every time you face your next trial, it can be seed or you can choose to concede. Every trial you go through and every pain you go through, you can use that pain as seed or you can use it to concede and give up. That word is for somebody in this room. Because faith will often be tested when we're living it for the king. It's always going to be tested. But we have to realize that when Jesus walked up to John the Baptist, John the Baptist said one thing that would revolutionize and change the game entirely. Everybody look at me for a moment. You know what he said? He said, look. Now listen, he didn't just say look. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't just see a man. He saw a lamb. And he said, this one is different. When you see Jesus in your life, do you see him as different? Or do you just see him as a religion you practice on Sundays? Is he the lamb of God that takes away your sin? Or is he the guy that you just happen to think is a really, really good guy. Just a really swell individual. Because there are people that thought both in the days of the disciples as well. And then there were others who thought he was just a plain heretic. How could you say the things you're saying? Only God can do that. And he's like, exactly. Thank you. You proved my point. Who is he to you?
You see, only God's people can walk in confident pain. We're going to go through pain. We're going to go through struggle. In these last days, we're going to go through some things. But I'm going to go through it in the best of my ability as confidently and trusting as I can possibly do so. How many are with me on that button right there? Yeah? You with me? So if we're going to go through it, why not go through it in confidence? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. And we're going to ask God to make room in our heart so that we can live for him for the glory of his name. We got a few minutes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come lead us. And here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to pray right now. When I say amen, you guys can start the song. Get this out of your way here. When I say amen, I want you guys to, to, to just, when I say amen, if you are able to and you're willing to, leave your seat. If you physically can't, do it right where you're at. But if you can, I want you to make room at this altar right now just for a few moments and say God I realize that I'm going to go through pain but I want to walk through it in confidence I want to walk in power through that confident pain you with me I'm going to go through that pain in such confidence and trust I may not feel it right now because I may not be going through it right now But I'm going to now sow seed right now in faith that when I go through it, I'm going to trust you. How many want to trust him more? Let's pray. Father, I pray for every hand that was just raised that want to trust him more. I pray you help them to trust and believe and walk in confident pain, oh God. Because even you on the cross, Jesus, as you quoted the psalmist, you identified with us I want to say thank you Jesus for identifying with us I want to say thank you Jesus for understanding us I want to say thank you Jesus for feeling what we felt and feeling what we feel may we give all of our lives to you as we make room in Jesus name everybody said